Welcome to the Present in the Pain podcast, a weekly show that looks at the experience of pregnancy and child loss through the lens of the Catholic faith. I'm your host, Eileen Tully. This is the Present in the Pain podcast, and I'm Eileen Tully, and today we're back to talk about our fifth sword of sorrow in in the Our Lady of Sorrows series that we're doing. But before we get started on that, I wanted to just share with you that we are doing a book club in the Present in the Pain community, and together we are reading the book A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis, and each month, it's only four chapters long, so each month we will be talking about another chapter. So last month we talked about chapter one, and this month we'll be talking about chapter two. The next discussion for that will be on Thursday, October 27th at 8 p.m., So if you would like to join our Present in the Pain community, you're welcome to sign up and join the book club, even if you haven't caught up with us. But between now and then, you can get a copy of A Grief Observed and read chapters one and two and join us for that meeting at the end of this month. Again, that's October 27th at 8 p.m. And you need to join the community, but it's no charge to join the book club. And we're talking about it on Zoom. So just by way of a recap, I thought I would just talk about the first four Swords of Sorrow that we have already discussed in our other episodes. The first Sword of Sorrow was the Prophecy of Simeon. The second sword was the flight to Egypt, and the third sword of sorrow was that loss of Jesus for three days in the city of Jerusalem. And when I was reflecting on these, you know, I thought that if I were the one writing the story for the Holy Family, knowing that the fourth sword of sorrow was coming and the fifth sword of sorrow today, which is the death of Jesus on the cross, knowing that those were coming... I might think that it would be best to make the Holy Family's life easy. Uh, Maybe just knowing what terrible hardship that they were going to be enduring with the death of Jesus and uh, the suffering that he was going to encounter, I might think that the best thing for them would be to make the beginning of their time with him uh, an easy one. But... Um, obviously, that is not what happened, and that is not the way God does things. And rather, we can look at James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, for example, and look at the verse that says, Consider it all joy when you face trials, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So God uses our sufferings and our trials to strengthen us and to develop perseverance in us. And so by the time we reach the fourth sort of sorrow, Mary's faith, our Blessed Mother's faith, has already been challenged and strengthened with the first three swords that she endured and any other sufferings that she faced in her life, but these, of course, are the most significant ones. But so her faith has been developed so that when she encounters Jesus on the way to Calvary, um, carrying his cross, then she she already has been through so much with him and knows that God is trustworthy, knows that sometimes difficult things happen, but 
the outcome is one that is part of the plan. And so when we reach this fifth sort of sorrow, Jesus dying on the cross, of course, this just only continues this theme that her faith is just so strong. And of course, when I was a Protestant, I hardly even considered Mary in the death of Jesus on the cross. I don't know if that has to do with my Protestantism or with the fact that I hadn't yet lost a child, but somehow I missed her there. Somehow it didn't occur to me that she bore witness to that. And we talked last week about bearing witness to the sufferings of others, and I really didn't consider the the pain that it brought to her until I had lost a child and had understood a little bit more about her sufferings. But this suffering of Jesus's death on the cross and witnessing that is sometimes called Mary's dry martyrdom. And St. John Chrysostom says of it that anyone who had been present then on Mount Calvary would have seen two altars on which two great sacrifices were being offered, the one in the body of Jesus, the other in the heart of Mary. Now, if you remember, I was saying that when I first learned about these sufferings and was praying about them with Our Lady, what I felt was the encouragement to put myself in her place. And while the loss of a child can take so many different forms that you may not have been able to relate to the other sorrows that we've talked about, this one where your child dies is the one that all of us as grieving mothers are able to relate to. And I think we probably can all agree that the loss of a child was one of the most, if not the most difficult suffering that we have endured in our lives, no matter what form it took, whether it was an early miscarriage or you lost an adult child or anything in between. The loss of a child is a significant suffering, and it really does put us in a place where the rubber meets the road for our faith, and it sort of challenges it like not much else can. And so when we want to follow her example and put ourselves in Mary's place and think about how did she endure this, this was, of course, the most difficult suffering for her as well, it's helpful for us to follow her example of suffering with virtue. And so Mary demonstrated tremendous virtue throughout her whole life. But at the cross, I think the most obvious virtues that she demonstrated were the theological virtues. And those are the virtues that have God as their object. Those are faith, hope, and charity or love. And so in the midst of her most significant pain, Mary just demonstrated these theological virtues in such a beautiful way for us as grieving mothers. And I thought we could take a look at each one and see how she demonstrated them and how we can follow her example and um, practice them in our own lives. So if we look at the first virtue, the first theological virtue of faith, we, as we mentioned, that the strengthening, the endurance facing trials, as St. James said, facing trials uh, strengthens our faith. And so we should 
consider it joy. And by joy, we of course don't mean happiness. Nobody is like, yay, a trial, yay, something terrible is happening. But we joy is this abiding peace underneath the circumstances. So no matter what is happening, we know that there is someone who loves us, who is in control and who has our best interest at heart. And so this faith that Mary demonstrated was based on the angel Gabriel coming and telling her about how Jesus would be the king of his people. It was strengthened by the previous struggles that she endured. It was strengthened by the miracles and the words of of Christ that he had already shared, that she had been witness to. Uh, She was able to believe what Jesus foretold about his own death and resurrection. And so Mary's faith really was anchored with what she had already learned about God, learned about Jesus, heard him say of himself and believed to be true. She had this strong anchor that held her in the midst of this pain. And so likewise, one thing that we can do is just think back about and and reflect on the ways that we have had other sufferings, the ways that God has already revealed who He is and that He loves us, and even in His Word has revealed to us who He is. And like we said, the rubber meets the road here. Do we actually believe these things about Him? And if we believe what He says about Himself, then we believe that He loves us that He is with us in our suffering, that He never le- will never leave us or forsake us, that He works all things together for our good, that He knows the plans He has for us to prosper us and not to harm us. So all of these things are things that God has already revealed to us about Himself, and we can use those things as our anchor as we are sort of tossed about in the storm that sometimes affects us after in the aftermath of losing a child. The second theological virtue that Mary demonstrated at the cross was hope. And her hope was that this terrible thing that she was witnessing was actually part of God's plan for salvation. She held on to the hope of being reunited with her child, as we should do. And she held on to the hope that what Jesus said about himself, that he would be raised again, that his resurrection would occur after he died, that those things that he said about himself were true. And for ourselves, we can hold on to, we we did a whole series on grieving with hope. We can hold on to the hope that St. Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians. Um, it's in chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, I'm sorry, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, 
will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so that same hope that Our Lady had is what we can have in the midst of this sorrow that we feel from losing our child, but it's something that we can cling to as she did at the cross. And finally, the last theological virtue was love. If you remember when Gabriel, the angel Gabriel came to Mary, her response to what he was saying was that she was the handmaid of the Lord. As this handmaid, she was offering herself out of love for God that she would serve him however he saw fit. And so when she offered that fiat, she was demonstrating love for God, and she continued to love her son as he accomplished that work on the cross. Also, though, she was loving us, and if we remember the theological virtue of charity is a love of God, but then also a love of others out of that love from God. So imagine that she was also loving us because she knew that this sacrifice would bring about our salvation. And it's so amazing to think that she had us in her her heart as she witnessed this great suffering. So that is just some some beautiful reflections for us. Not not beautiful because of what I said, but just beautiful in when we think about Our Lady at the foot of the cross and what she was showing us and the example she was offering us as grieving mothers who no matter what way our child might have died, we can all relate to that pain of child loss and the sorrow that Our Lady was feeling at that moment in this fifth sort of sorrow. Before we sign off, I just wanted to share with you that this Saturday, October 15th, I will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for a a retreat there, and you can find information about it on my webpage, EileenTully.com, and I'll also link it in the show notes. But also on October 29th, I will be in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. And these are full-day retreats for grieving mothers, and we'll have teaching and prayer. We're doing creative activities, and we'll have discussion time so that we will just be able to join together and share the love that Our Lady has demonstrated for us. And I would love to meet you there. Finally, I'm not on social media for so many reasons, but I can remember after my loss that Facebook really felt almost like a minefield. Like I never knew what somebody would be posting and pregnancy announcements were difficult, birth announcements were difficult. Sometimes just seeing people going on with their everyday lives was difficult because I was just so pinned under the weight of my grief. So um, for that reason, I created the Present in the Pain community, which is a place where I am active and interacting with other grieving mothers. And so that's a place where we can discuss the podcast. We can share, you can share your story and find support. And so I will link the, put the link for that also in the show notes. I'd love to see you there. I'm always interacting with people in private messages or in discussions, and we can talk about these sorts of sorrow and what you think about how they relate to your own experience of loss. It's also the home of my online video retreat, which is kind of like the all-day retreats, but you can do them at your own home and at your own pace. And now you can try them free for two weeks, so you can go into that section and check it out, scope around, 
see what's there, what it has to offer you, and see if it might be something that would be a good fit for you. We have two more Swords of Sorrow to discuss in our series on Our Lady of Sorrows, and then we're going to take a short break for the month of November, but I will be back in December to do a series called Breath of Heaven, which is going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit as the comforter in our healing from the pain of child loss. Until then, I'm Eileen Tully, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please consider hitting subscribe and leaving a review so that other people are better able to find it. Also, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show in any amount, it would be helpful for maintaining the podcast hosting and production costs. Thanks for prayerfully considering that.